If you dig the twisted, admire the outlandish, and are enamored by the unusual, you're in the right place. True crime, the supernatural, the unexplained, now you're speaking our language. If you agree, join us as we dive into the darker side. You know, because it's more fun over here. Welcome to Total Conundrum. Warning, some listeners may find the following content disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) Well, hello, Conundrum crew. We've got a special treat for you in today's episode. I'm Jeremy, and with me, as always, is the incomparable Tracy. What do we have in store for our fantastic listeners today, Tracy? Hey, everyone. Get ready to be blown away because today I'll be diving into the gripping survival story of Alison Botha. I can't wait to unravel this incredible tale of resilience, courage, and the triumph of the human spirit. And that's not all, folks. We've got some extra firepower today. Joining us are two amazing guests, Amanda and David from One Nothing Podcast and Down the Rabbit Hole. They'll be adding their own flair to the conversation, sharing insight, and of course, indulging in some banter along the way. Absolutely, Jeremy. It's going to be an episode packed with heart, inspiration, and a dash of WTF. You won't want to miss it. And for our listeners out there, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on YouTube and ring that notification bell. Stay in the loop so you never miss an episode. And if you're tuning in on your favorite podcast platform, show us some love, follow, rate, and review. It's like giving our podcast a virtual high five. Let us know what you think. Stay connected with us on this wild ride. But hey, before we dive into this episode, we have trailers from our partners in crime, Smoking Sounds Podcast and Dead Letter Podcast. A big shout out to those fabulous folks for joining forces with us. So now's your chance to check out their shows as well and show them the love and support you show us. Now buckle up, Conundrum Crew, because it's time for another unforgettable episode of Total Conundrum. In a world where smooth, sultry tunes meet the rich, flavorful aroma of a premium cigar, welcome to Smoking Sounds. Join us on a journey through the world of cigars and music like you've never experienced before. If you're a cigar aficionado, or a music lover, or better yet, both, this podcast is your sanctuary. Each episode will dive deep into the fine art of selecting, savoring, and pairing cigars with the perfect musical accompaniment. Whether you're enjoying a relaxing evening on your porch or kicking back with friends, we've got the perfect soundtrack to elevate your experience. Our hosts are true connoisseurs of both cigars and music. We'll guide you through the intricate world of flavor profiles, cigar etiquette, and the harmonious synergy between the notes of your favorite smoke and the melodies of your favorite songs. From classical jazz melodies to rocking guitar riffs, and from the subtle, earthy notes of a fine cigar to the smooth, soothing jazz that complements it. Smoking Sounds is your passport to a world of sensory pleasure. So whether you're a seasoned aficionado or just dipping your toes into the world of cigars and music, join us for laughter, learning, 
and the sheer enjoyment of a perfectly paired experience. Smoking Sounds is where the fire of the perfect cigar meets the passion of the perfect tune. Tune in, light up, and let the good times roll. Smoking Sounds coming soon to your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe today and follow on social media at Smoking Sounds Pod to never miss a beat or a draw. Hey, everybody. We have a special treat for you today. We have Amanda and David from One Nothing Podcast that are joining us for a crossover episode. How exciting. Hey, everybody. And I'm here, too. Oh, yes. (laughs) Of course you're here. (laughs) He's not missing in action. He's here. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I should have shouted you out, too. It's all good. It's all good. I was just so excited about Amanda and David. (laughs) Well, Amanda and David, I know, David, you're partnered up with Amanda on the One Nothing, and you have your own thing that you do with Instagram and the socials and stuff. So why don't you guys tell us about One Nothing, and then David, tell us about your Down the Rabbit Hole. Sure. Yeah, so One Nothing Podcast is a podcast where every episode we focus on a different fatality. We delve into a little bit about their life and what they were like um, and then how they died. And ultimately, if we can learn anything from that to protect ourselves, and sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. Um, but we're also a place where we accept your feelings. We're, we're not ever going to tell you that you can't laugh at something just because it involves death. There's just going to be parts of death that are funny. So we are on all podcast platforms and we just really enjoy meeting new people and kind of hearing their stories and Every once in a while, we sit down with the survivor of like an animal attack or traumatic injury. It's really awesome to get those words of wisdom that only come from experience. Amanda is actually amazing when it comes to research. It's like some of the best uh, stories and the way she tells them are fantastic. And she's really funny. And I I feel very fortunate that she asked me to to come on. I I think my first episode was episode nine, Amanda, right? Yep, sure was. Yeah, that was a sad one. But, you know, even as as sad as it gets, she finds a way to bring you back from that floor, from those stories. And I always find that to be extremely interesting. And I have an Instagram account, a Facebook, a Twitter, well, X now. What other things do we have? But it's called Down the Rabbit Hole. It has to do with everything paranormal. We talk about ghosts. We talk about uh, cryptids, uh, aliens, anything paranormal. It's great. I share only the videos that I want to share. And, you know, I think we've mentioned this before that uh, not everything is real and you can't really prove everything to be real. So I try to share the spookiest things or the things I would want to watch. And that seems to have uh, gone over really well. We have like, I think it's 67,000 followers now on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, so it is really doing well. And there's a reason he is the Duke of Darkness, too. Let me tell yes. you. Yes. And she is the Duchess of Death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to agree, Amanda. The stories that you tell and the research that you do is ultimately amazing. I love listening to you guys. Uh-huh. I love the banter between you two. You are like a match made in heaven for listeners i mean you just you meld together so well and david thank you so much you're welcome 
yeah, we really enjoy. I mean, Jeremy listens as well, and yeah, I think my favorite ones are the animal attacks because it's they're kind <laughs> of kind of Those original. You don't get that with a lot of other podcasts. No, you don't. So. I thought that was kind We're of a mind of the same, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the one episode that you had with the guy who was attacked by a bear, I couldn't believe how nonchalant he was. Like, it was just like, well, and then I heard a crunch. And, you know, I was. <laughs> I know. He was. He was so good at telling his story, and about everything how it progressed on. It was just I was yeah. awestruck during that episode. So I agree. I that like man, those ones too. He is incredible. Like you say, he's nonchalant about it. He's talking about it. But if you listen to every step that took him from the attack, after the third attack, right? Right. And how he had to get down the mountain and how he had to rest and how he had to, how did he do all that? I think I would have died in the first two minutes. Right. That guy is amazing. Oh, definitely. And then the, was it Baby Shark was playing on his phone or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was yes. Amazing. Yes. He, that story just was incredible. It was one of those that you definitely, I think I actually sat in my car because I was like so close to the end. I needed to finish it. So I like waited in my car <laughs> for it to finish before I got those out. the best. That but, was me to your backrooms episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was a great one. Jeremy uh, Jeremy wants yeah. to live in the backrooms. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had to listen to that song, though, I would have been praying for death. Yeah. <laughs> Please take me now. Baby shark doo 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 doo. No. Baby shark doo 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 doo. <laughs> Party fall. Yeah. Um, and it's then. It's just so amazing. Uh, David, uh, with your videos, like we were talking about with the other episode that we just did for your guys' show, I like get so sucked into them. And then I'm like, wait, no, I got to stop. I got to stop. Something's going to jump out. I just, you get that <laughs> anxiety building up. But I have to tell you, I watched a video the other day. So you remember the Dobby type creature that was yes. outside? Yes. Going in front of mm-hmm. that car. And... Uh, I was actually just saw a video the other day where the boy that lives there, they went and interviewed him with his mom and they brought him out and had mm-hmm. him try to recreate it because now they're claiming that it wasn't him. Well, check this out. You might be interested to find that on that video, I had a comment from early on Wednesday. She's another podcaster. Uh huh. She lives very close to them, those people, right? They're uh-huh. friends. Oh, really? And she had, yes. And she had it on good authority because the mother told her it was her son. Well, so and solved that mystery. Solved it. Right. Solved it completely. Yeah. I could totally see it because when they did, they had him put boxers on his head and then try to mm-hmm. recreate the movements. But of course, he wasn't doing it like he was that night. Right. But that is the, the right. first time I saw that video. I think I actually saw it on. What is that caught caught on camera or something? Paranormal Paranormal caught on video. Yeah, I think that's where I saw it for the first time. And I was just like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) It reminded me of what is that creature that's basically like just legs. I can't remember what it's called now. Like a centipede? No, it's um it's kind of like a cryptid now. 
Yes, um, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, the does, Northern Siren actually posted something about it the other day. I can't remember oh, what it's what called it now. But it basically they say it looks like kind of like a tooth. It's like a like a half a body with just yeah. legs or something. <laughs> it's the tooth fairy. Well, no, yeah, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but that's they say, they say it's kind of shaped like a tooth, you know, because the tooth has like the legs, you know, like a molar, but with not having the four legs, oh, just gross. the two. It's but, it's two long legs and almost no torso at all, and a head, and it's just walking right. Yeah, something um, like that. There's a few different descriptions of it, but I can't for the life of the me night remember. Nightcrawler, I think it's called a nightcrawler, maybe the Fresno nightcrawler. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, that mm-hmm. thing creeps the hell out of me too. We're gonna have to do an episode yeah. on that. Definitely, yeah, that does not that. look human. It no. does not look human. It's so bizarre. I agree totally. Well, I have a curious question for you guys. So you guys now are doing one nothing together. How did you meet and how did you decide to collaborate on it? Well, we do one nothing also with Rachel. I don't know if you've heard any of those episodes. Yes, but Rachel is amazing. Yes. She's freaking hilarious. Yeah. I, Rachel. I actually listened. So here, here's how it really happened. I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay? <laughs> the way we met was I had this friend. Her name's Vicky. And she wanted me to listen to a, uh, I think it was a live podcast. Uh, it was called The Paranormal Project. Amanda was on it. And I was listening and Amanda was telling a story of Stardust Ranch. And I don't know if you guys know about Stardust Ranch, but I had a little knowledge on it. But she told, she went so deep into the story. It was amazing. She went into the background of what happened and so, you know, after I listened to this, I was just like blown away by the research. So I went to look for her podcast. I listened to the first episode and that was it. I was hooked. Nice. And I messaged her. Yeah, I was like a massive fan after those two things happened. And I messaged her and I said, listen, I just wanted to tell you, I think you are amazing. I think your podcast is amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And we just hit off from there. We just were talking yeah. And, you know, she would let me know what was going on. I was like an insider, you know. I felt special. Yeah, we clicked super, super well. And then, like, we just grew really close, like, as friends. We'd, like, talk every day and just tell each other stuff. So we're, like, I've never met him in person, but he's my best friend. Like Absolutely. literally, best friend. That's <laughs> awesome. That is way cool. Yeah. I love that. I know. So that's, it's been, if anything, the podcast has blessed my life with at least bringing people like that into my life because otherwise I never would have met him. So that is, and you guys have such <laughs> good chemistry with your banter. David, you just recently, you guys had an issue with your Halloween episode. So we got. Yeah. That we got to be blessed with hearing a Patreon episode on the regular feed. And David actually told a story. And you did a wonderful job with your story, too. I'd never oh, heard man. you. Thank like, you so much. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was, yeah I was so scared. <laughs> I'm sure. It's a big, big turnaround going from bantering to actually doing the research and telling the story. And I loved it. It was great. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm telling my next story this, this Wednesday. And uh, it's it's number two. It's the second time I'll take the reins. And yeah, the first time I was, you know, the whole day I was reading it, the story I wrote out and 
was very, very nervous. And uh, when it came time to tell a story, I wasn't nervous. It just, I don't know what the hell happened. Earlier in the day, I was reading it. I was fumbling over my words and fumbling over my words. But when I read it, I didn't have that problem, which is very weird. You really did. I was so so proud. Well, and you oh, really yay. you really jumped in too because you guys had a guest episode or a guest star on mm-hmm. that episode yeah. too. So it wasn't just the two of you. So you really got you know you really were thrown in and you did amazing. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I appreciate that so much. And then, great. I was very happy. <laughs> yeah, it was. I loved it. It was fun. So I'm going to ask you guys just a yeah, couple yeah. questions. Uh, we're going to go turkey themed here, Thanksgiving themed. Um, what okay. is like your favorite Thanksgiving food? Hmm. I think for me. So can it be a food with a topping? Or yeah. Can it just be whatever what you okay. whatever you want? What's your favorite thing at Thanksgiving? <laughs> rules of the game so i really like i don't eat meat so there's this thing by this company named gardein and it's like a holiday roll and it's like i don't know what they make it out of probably tofu but on the inside it's cranberries and wild rice and really really good filling and that with homemade cranberry sauce would probably be my favorite thanksgiving food that sounds that's like my if i'm having the worst day of my life and i need to pick me up and i have one of those in the freezer i make it like it's just like (laughs) the best thing ever (laughs) It sounds really good. It is really good. Very yeah. unique. They should, they too. should pay me to to vocalize about their product. They should. That <laughs> you need to sponsor one nothing podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you heard it first here. That's right. How about you, David? Well, I'm a cheeseburger type of guy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> share me. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, I love turkey with gravy and stuffing mixed together. I love it all. I'm a, I'm a huge Thanksgiving guy. So anything and everything Thanksgiving casseroles, bring it on. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's right. Twice. I'll go twice. That's right. <laughs> we weren't supposed to be hosting this year, and now we are. And when I asked Jeremy if he was okay with us hosting, he's like, yep, we need six turkeys, four hams. And you know, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, who's eating all this? He's like, me. <laughs> Rack of ribs. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, my- you're a brother of mine. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite yes, is going to sound kind of weird. My grandma always makes the best coleslaw never had coleslaw like hers anywhere and i love mixing the coleslaw her coleslaw within with the mashed potatoes and gravy that's like my favorite yeah weird combination but it's actually really good it's a minnesotan thing we (laughs) like to mix our foods we do (laughs) we do mix our foods (laughs) what's interesting about the coleslaw what's different well, for one, we were just talking, my grandma unfortunately just passed, and we were just talking oh, about this. I'm sorry to hear about that. Thank you. Um, but we were just talking about it after her funeral. It was Her funeral was yesterday, and we were all talking about her oh, food because she was makes amazing or made amazing food all the time. And... The one thing that she does different is she doesn't use mayo. She uses Maracuip. Mm-hmm. And, but then she also does the vinegar and the sugar and stuff like that. 
But hers is like never runny. It's just like the perfect creamy consistency. And it's like anytime like anybody comes to anything that they've had it, they've always like, make sure you bring home some coleslaw. (laughs) And cheese ball. And cheese ball. She was infamous for her cheese balls every Every get-together, we'd always have to have the cheese ball. And the past couple years, she hasn't been able to prepare things because she's been dealing with dementia. And luckily, I got the recipe for the cheese ball, and that that, uh, flame has been passed down to me. So now I'm the one that always has to bring the cheese ball. (laughs) You're the cheese ball lady. (laughs) And my kids, anytime (laughs) my kids come over, they're always like, are you making a cheese ball? (laughs) So yeah, mine is the the mashed potatoes and gravy with grandma's coleslaw together. How about you, Jeremy? Oh, didn't I answer that already? Well, yeah, you kind of did. But uh, six, six turkeys. I think it was six ham. turkeys. Yes. Four ham. Uh, yeah, anything meat. I mean, I could go with brisket. Oh, yeah, but I would say yeah. definitely turkey and mashed potatoes. Yeah. That's, Jeremy, That's my favorite. He loves his turkey and turkey commercial after <laughs> Thanksgiving. Okay, so going off of again the Thanksgiving, do either of you have a favorite Thanksgiving memory mm. or a, a tradition, something that you do traditionally with your family or anything like that? I mean, I don't know if this counts, but it's like the one day of the year I can shove my face full of food and guilt myself about it. So that's a pretty big deal. (laughs) That totally counts. (laughs) Wear your stretchy pants. Yep. Yeah, I look forward to it. Like I just pajama pants. It is. I'm gonna eat until I burst and not feel bad about it. (laughs) Yep. Then you pass out on the couch. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. And wake up at 4 a.m. disoriented. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, David? I was trying to rack my brain. I think the the one thing is, you know, getting together with family. It's That's the one tradition that uh, never fails. I will say this. I did have, in my youth, um, the day before Thanksgiving, I had a severe argument with my father, and he threw me out. Oh, no. So I, yeah, and I remember spending the night in someone's backyard of someone I knew that was not there. And it was cold. Yeah. That was an interesting Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's, wow. That's not good. Have you Not sensed- much to be nah. thankful for there. Have no, you, uh, but sensed- you know what? You look back on those things and you, they, they're kind of nice memories to me now because you know, if you don't go through those difficult moments in your life, you can't really get to where you're trying to get, right? So yeah. that's a, I don't look back at it as a negative thing. I look at it as like, this is something I had to go through. A stepping stone. And yeah, we, we made up, we made up, me and my dad, uh, several, I was a weeks or months later. And uh, I ended up getting my own place and he helped me. So yeah, it worked out really well. Well, that's good that there was a happy ending to it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you had to freeze and not probably have turkey dinner that day, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just wasted a whole day of not caring about calories like that. So Absolutely, cool. I know. <laughs> Heart rates for you. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about Thanksgiving in general 
is it's one of the family holidays that you all get together and you're more focused on just family. It's not hunting the Easter eggs or when are we opening presents and it's just more family. So, you know, whether you're playing the games or just sitting around having drinks and BSing and I think I like the, you know, not having to rush through to get to the next thing. It's just, you just get to sit around and just enjoy each other. That's beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. How about you, Jeremy? never looked at it like that. The Me, food? I, I try to avoid family. <laughs> so <laughs> if they don't have turkey, it's a no-go for me. I'm not coming. <laughs> you best have that turkey. <laughs> That's the other downfall of uh, him meeting me. I love family, so he had to start going well, to I'm things. Okay. I'm okay with yours. I just avoid mine. <laughs> but I love your family. <laughs> well, that makes only you. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, and then the next thing that we have is our conundrum challenge. And Ooh, the right. shout out actually goes to Amanda this week from Whoa. One Month. One yeah, Nothing. I was excited for this. <laughs> she got it really quick. That was awesome. I loved it. I wanted to do something Thanksgiving themed, and it was uh, Jeremy and I looked at each other like, would we be able to figure that out? We're like, probably not. No, no. <laughs> but it wasn't. It as- had me going for a minute. <laughs> It wasn't as tough as some of the other ones. I mean, some of the other ones were really out there. Like, I would, I don't know if I, people it, have it, gotten it them. It took Elon but... Musk to answer that question. <laughs> so I try, wanted to do something more fun with the Thanksgiving, and Amanda was right on top of it. So the shout out this week goes to Amanda at One Nothing Podcast. Yay! Good job, Amanda. And for the record, that was super cute, and it did take me some, like, hard noggin power before I got it. So it was tricky. (laughs) And if you didn't see the answer on Instagram, the answer was pumpkin pie, as in, you know, the circumference of pie. P-I, not (laughs) P-I-E. I don't have the actual question open right now, but it is out on all the socials. So if you uh, don't remember what the question was, just go out to the socials and you'll see it. But unfortunately, I am going to bring us way down. Boo! The (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you like these stories. I do not. (laughs) The story I have for us today is out of uh, South Africa, and it is a survivor story. So (laughs) we don't get all of, like, with most true crime and murder, we're only getting one side of it, and it's usually the murderer's side or what the coroner or the autopsy tells us and what happens to these people. But in this story, we're getting the information from the person it happened to. Mm. With that, you're going to get a lot of detail. And so I will give a trigger warning. This episode, it has... Oh, did you hear that? the big bang. (laughs) (laughs) There was something that just... They just shot off another one of those cannons outside. 
We yeah. live on a lake and it's the weekend, so they think they can just shoot off things. Fireworks all year round. <laughs> but anyway, so this story, I am going to offer a trigger warning. The story contains sexual violence, sexual assault, and extreme violence. Although this is a survival story told by this astonishing woman, the details of her attack are gruesome. Some may not be able to handle the information about this horrifying evening, so listener discretion is advised. And unfortunately, Jeremy and David, you cannot run away. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can hide. You can, you know, Try whatever. Try to stop me. I dare you. <laughs> So we'll just go ahead and get into the story. I don't know if you guys have you ever heard of Allison Botha? Anybody? Mm-hmm. No. Uh-huh. No. Okay. And the other thing I'm going to state out outright too: this does take, like I said, this is in South Africa, and their names are very difficult. And I have researched how to pronounce them, but whether I'm going to say them correctly. Well, you know, I'll get as close as I can, but I did go out <laughs> and listen and practice how to say it, but I don't have the accent or the dialect. So just oh. if anybody's from South Africa's listening, I apologize in advance that my Minnesota accent cannot replicate yours. <laughs> <laughs> so on a perfect summer's day on December 18th, 1994, 27-year-old Allison spent a fun-filled day with her friends on the beach, followed by pizza and a game night at her place in the evening. Unfortunately, this perfect day of sand in her toes, sun-kissed cheeks, and fun-filled games would turn into the most significant, horrendous evening of her young life. As some of you may have picked up on, this is a survivor story, this woman's unyielding will to live and desire to prevent her attackers from being able to do this to anyone else is nothing as I had ever heard before in my life. This story touched my soul. As disturbing as it is, it is also very inspirational. I acquired the majority of my information on this story from Allison herself, not personally, but from the documentary on Prime Video, it's a must watch. The documentary is beautiful. Mm. Unlike anything that I have seen previously, Allison tells her story and we hear from the people who helped save her that hellish night. If you're into listening to survival stories and if you can handle the details of this, this documentary was done in the most beautiful way that I have ever seen. And she is with us through the whole thing and along with the people that were there that helped her. It was just so heart-wrenching, but it was so beautiful in the same. So I do mm -hmm. highly recommend going and giving it a watch. So enough rambling from me. Let's dive in with some background on Alison Botha. Alison Botha was born on September 22nd, 1967, in Port Elizabeth, South, South Africa. Her parents divorced when she was 10, and Botha spent most of her childhood living with her mother and brother. In her early years, Botha led a reasonably everyday life. She was a head girl at the Coolidge High School for Girls in Port Elizabeth. When Allison finished her education, she spent a few years traveling 
and after that she returned home. Batha found a job as an insurance broker, which she really enjoyed. As I stated before, Allison had spent the day with her friends at the beach and followed by an evening of pizza and games, fun with her friends. And as soon as her friends left that evening, she gave her friend a ride home and simultaneously picked up her laundry from her friend's home. Her usual parking spot was unavailable when she returned home, so she had to park further down the street than usual. Seconds after parking, she felt a warm burst of air, followed by a knife against her throat. Then she hears a voice that states, move over or else I'll kill you. Her thoughts immediately racing, thoughts as in, I should have locked the doors, should I jump? But she didn't. She did not want to believe the worst, and she tried to hope for the best. The man introduced himself to her as Clinton. He reassured her that he did not want to hurt her. However, he needed to use her car for an hour. Allison was gaining a little false sense of security, for he was making small talk with her, like asking her if she had a boyfriend and so on. Clinton drove to another part of Port Elizabeth, stating that he needed to pick up a friend. Tian's Kruger got into the back of the car. Allison recalls looking at the rearview mirror, locking eye contact with Tian's, and all she could see in his eyes was dead, cold evil. At this point, she realizes she won't be going home. The car was driving away from any civilization on the outskirts of Port Elizabeth, passing the last streetlight and driving into pure darkness. They continued to move to a secluded dark alcove and parked the car. The men asked her if she was going to fight. Allison thought that if she complied, her chance of survival would be more significant. She reassured them that she would not fight. So... This point, we're going to go into a major trigger warning. So I'm going to be going into great detail about this case. But the one question I want to ask you guys. Yep, I'll leave. <laughs> no, you can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> At the point of the car, what would you guys have done when he I'm, approached her at the car? I am doing everything to fight, and I'm absolutely not because the second that they have you in the car, I just feel like it's they have control at that point with a weapon. Right. So I'm doing whatever I can to get away by any means possible, and if I die doing so, so be it. That was my thought. I would have. I would. I would force them to kill me. Simple. Yeah. Uh, They said he's going to kill you. I don't think. I I don't think he's going to kill kill you. (laughs) He wants to take you. He he's not going to kill you. So if you try to run, you get away. I don't think he's going to do it, but do not go to the next spot with them. Do not get in the car. Right. Get away. Fight as hard as you can. And this, actually researching this case made me rethink certain things because there's a lot of times that in between jobs, I'll like stop and have lunch somewhere or I'll stop in a parking lot. And when you stop and you put your car in park nowadays, what happens? Right. Your doors unlock. Mm-hmm. When you put your car into drive, they lock. But when you put it into park, does that happen? I feel like mine don't unlock unless I like go to open it. Oh, uh, most vehicle. Well, I guess our vehicle. If I put it in park, they unlock. Or I guess maybe it's when I turn the key Ooh. off, they unlock. 
I can't remember now, but they unlock by themselves. So I purposely, oh if I know I'm going to be like looking on my phone or doing anything like, you know, that I'm not going to be paying attention to my surroundings, I automatically lock my doors again. And it's because of the story. And I never thought Oops. about it until I researched this story. So if you have a vehicle that unlocks when you're coming into a parking lot or when you first get in, like if you're shopping at Walmart and you're throwing your stuff in your vehicle and then you get in, first thing you need to do, lock your damn doors. Protect yourself. Yeah. So, all right, let's get back to the story here. So Clinton then forced her to perform oral sex on him, followed by him performing oral sex on her. He proceeded to give her a hickey on her breast. He had the audacity of kissing her. And at that point, he then raped her. In the documentary, Allison recalls that while being raped, her body reacted by having an orgasm. Allison states, my body responded. And although I know now that it's a protection mechanism, it was for me the ultimate betrayal. And I really oh wavered on putting this in the story because it is so, it's something that's really hard to hear. But the reason I put. I just feel like it's important to, to include. I don't even know the rest of the story yet, but just, it just, I feel like it's so important to acknowledge that that can happen physically when your mind isn't there. It's just a, a you know, a physical response. And I, I, glad that you brought that up because I think it's important to know that yes and that is why reaction it is and that is why I wanted to include this because I after looking into this a little bit more I found out that the the stats on people realizing that or reporting this or realizing is very low so I wanted to bring awareness to this topic so again, it's an uncomfortable topic, but I really wanted to, I'm sure there's people out there listening that don't realize. So I'm going to go into a little bit of what I researched on this. So having an orgasm during a sexual assault is something that no person should ever feel shame for. An article from Pandora's Project states the following, a sexual response or an orgasm during a sexual assault is often the best-kept and most deeply shameful secret of many survivors. If you are such a survivor, you must know that a sexual response in a sexual assault is widespread, well-documented, and nothing for you to be ashamed of. In the book Thank Rape you. and Sexual Arousal, Aphrodite Matsakis writes about the sexual arousal or the orgasm in rape before you chastise yourself for having one, remember that your sexual organs do not have a brain. They cannot distinguish between a mauling rapist or a gentle touch of a lover. So people react to stimulation the way that we are physically designed to respond. If you climax or had another sexual response to the rape, this does not mean you enjoyed it. And lastly, from the paceconnection.com, of those who report rape cases, only around 4 to 5% describe experiencing an orgasm, but the actual numbers are significantly higher. 
So I just want... I would imagine... Yeah, I thought it was so important to touch on that because there are so many people that probably are down on themselves because they felt like their body failed them. And it didn't. It's it's natural. Right. So it's a good thing you added that to the story because it's part of the story. Yes, definitely. For people listening who may have been going through the same thing and who have internalized that shame and, and... It's important for them to know, too, that that's commonplace. Definitely. Like I said, I wavered. And I'm like, no, it's too important. I need to... It brings that uncomfortable factor, but it also brings that to light for people who don't realize that. Absolutely. So we'll get back on track. So Tians was outside of the car, and he yells out, Franz, that's enough. At this point, Allison realized that he had given her a false name. His name was actually Franz Detoit. Franz exited the car as he asked Tians if he wanted to have sex with the lovely lady. He replied, no, I want to fuck the bitch. Oh, God. Tians replied, she's a lady. You have to speak properly to her. Are you fucking kidding me? You just raped her. And now you're saying yeah. that she's a lady and you have to speak properly to her? I mean... <laughs> While volunteering her anatomy up to somebody else? like Oh, yeah. Sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tians gets into the car and starts raping her. And before she knows it, his hands are around her neck and she releases her bowels while he strangles her. That was the last thing that she recalled until she woke up on the ground outside of the car. They then stabbed her in the abdomen and pubic area over 37 times. They walked away thinking she was dead. However, her leg uncontrollably twitched. Tians was the first to cut her throat. Franz pushed him away, and Allison said in the documentary that the moon... Behind him, ironically, gave him a halo as he cut her throat 17 times. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tians and Franz then drove off, throwing her clothes out of the car. As she lay on the ground, she recalls not feeling any pain, but hearing the horrible noise from her severed windpipe. Finally, Allison, overcome with sadness and despair, realizes that her injuries are beyond hope and that she's dying. Allison remembers having an out-of-body experience, seeing herself lying naked on the ground in the fetal position. It's quiet, and she does not hear the awful noise of her breathing. She has no pain, but she knew then that she wanted a chance to live better, and she did not want to die. Allison, now back in her body, first... She wrote their names in the sand. She spelt out Franz and Tians. She wanted to ensure that they could not do this to someone else and hoped they would get caught and jailed. And then she wrote, I love mom for her mother. So she knew she was thinking of her. I bawled at this part that she even thought about her mother at this. Just the bravery it takes in your while you're perceiving to be your dying moments to write out your killer's names. Yes, too. yes, because she, you know, just in case 
She just didn't want anybody else to have this happen. So moments later, she felt something wet on her legs. She then realized her intestines were outside of her body. Her denim shirt was nearby and she reached for it and was able to hold everything in as she tried to crawl over the ash and the cut glass on the ground. Crawling was too much and it was making her weaker. So she finally told herself, you have to do better. She managed to get to her feet and when she did, everything went black. But She was alert and was not passing out. She brought her hand up to her neck and her whole hand went into her slash neck. They had severed the muscle on the side of her neck and she realized that her head had flopped back and was between her shoulder blades. Oh Oh my God. Right? She took her free hand and pulled her head up so she was able to see. So at this point, she does not recall too much. She stated as it it was as if someone had taken her feet and moved them for her. The next thing she knew, she was on the road and collapsed. However, she did position herself in the middle of the road, figuring that she would be seen better than if she was at the side of the road. Shortly after, she saw headlights in the distance She realized her attackers could be in that car, but there was nothing that she could do. The car approached her, slowed down, and then sped away. She then heard another car approaching. 20-year-old veterinary student Tian Elder was in this car with some of his friends. They were vacationing in Port Elizabeth while on a break from school. Tian ran to the side and reassured her, that she would be okay, and he assessed her injuries. He took his shirt off to cover her and to keep her warm. He was trying to keep her calm, and he also rearranged her and did what he could with her injuries to keep her alive. At that time, one of his friends had a cell phone, a very new technology, and he had called emergency services. The hospital was a 15-minute drive from where they were. However, it took the ambulance 40 minutes to arrive. Oh, man. Right? That's terrible. And the minutes probably seemed like hours in that instance as well. Tian did not leave her side. He kept talking to her and kept her alert and held her hand the entire time. The ambulance was not in any rush to get to the hospital, He said that they didn't think that she would live, so they took their time. He recalls even yelling at the driver to drive faster. However, he did not let go of Allison's hand the entire time until they arrived and they took her back for evaluation. When Dr. David Komian evaluated her injuries, he discovered the attackers had cut her neck ear to ear. Franz and Tian's... Oh, my gosh. Joker. Right. They had cut her trachea entirely, and she was breathing (laughs) through a gaping hole just above her collarbone. They disemboweled her. Her intestines were lying on her stomach and covered in sand and clumps of charcoal. At this point, it became evident to him that she would never be able to have children due to the extent of her injuries. 
He called the general surgeon, Dr. Angeloff, who was on call and told him that he recommended that they also call an ENT surgeon in for her neck injuries and he could do the abdominal surgery afterwards. Dr. Angeloff stood a bit taller and exclaimed that he was trained as an ENT and a general surgeon in his country. So that was a big blessing right there that he was trained and he could do both surgeries and not have to bring in another surgeon. Allison had to sign a consent form before going into surgery, which I think is absolutely asinine. I mean, when you have injuries to that extent, you should not have to physically sign a consent form. I'm sorry. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it should be just a known you consent. How did, how did she sign it? She did. Um, Dr. Angeloff recalls how she signed it with a steady hand. And when, when asked, she wrote her mother's phone number down, and he was astounded by her strength. Wow. Yeah. This woman had is incredible. Her will to live is like no other. It's I completely applaud her. Most people would have given up with all the different things and the parts of getting to that road. I don't know if I could have done it. So Dr. Angeloff... That's just more strength than I think I can ever muster. Oh, definitely. I mean, I have a strong will to live, but this woman, she had a lot of injuries, a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. her head went between her shoulder blades. That's so creepy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So Dr. Angeloff cleaned her entire intestines, passing each loop through his fingers, cleaning everything off, and even taking the scrub brush to some areas. He wanted to make sure everything was extremely clean and thorough. She was very blessed because no stab wounds hit any of her arteries or significant organs by some miracle. Wow. They stabbed her like 30 something times, didn't they? Yeah. And that was just wow. in her stomach and or abdomen and pubic area. And then there was 17 at the neck. Yeah. So the morning after surgery, the police constables brought a folder of pictures to Allison's room And as they flipped through the photos one by one, they came to an image of Franz. Allison pointed to him and wrote Franz on a piece of paper. They turned over a few more photographs and then she identified Tians. And then she wrote his name, Tians, on a piece of paper. The police constables were satisfied at that point and left. Later that afternoon, they returned and stated that the chief prosecutors indicated that the case would be far stronger if Allison would be able to verbalize the name of the two suspects. Doctors were horrified at the notion of removing the tube that could possibly disrupt the suture line in her trachea and undo the work that they had just done the night before. Dr. Kamian went into Allison and explained to her, and she wrote on the piece of paper, take it out. In a world where the ordinary meets the extraordinary, prepares a journey beyond the veil of reality to uncover secrets that defy explanation. Welcome to a Dead Letter Podcast, where we delve into the mysterious and unexplained phenomena that have fascinated humans for centuries. In each episode, we will explore some of the most intriguing and spine-tingling aspects of the paranormal world. But beware, for the line between reality and the supernatural is thinner than you think. Will you dare to listen? 
He removed the tube. Right. Her first words were, that's wonderful. I'm assuming because she could actually be able to verbalize. She then said my attackers were Franz and Tian's. The next day, she was discharged from ICU to the general surgery unit. This woman is amazing. Um, After she was discharged from the hospital, Allison still had to go back to see Dr. Angeloff daily to get treatment for her injuries, particularly her abdominal area. Dr. Angeloff had to scrape it until it bled, and this procedure would cause the regeneration of new cell growth. She did have to have plastic surgery at a later time. Her recovery was excruciating, and she still has ongoing medical issues to this day. Franz and Tians raped two other women shortly before Allison. They threatened the women, stating that they would kill them if they went to the police. One of the victims was also three months pregnant at the time. They were released on bond the Monday before attacking Allison. So just the Monday before, they released these sons of bitches and they were able to attack her. Franz was brought to the police station by the police. He was read his rights and Officer Humphill told Franz that he was under arrest for the attempted murder of Alison Botha. Franz asked him why only attempted murder and Humphill said because Alison is still alive. Humple noticed that he had never seen such a hardened criminal be so surprised in his career. You could have knocked him over with a feather. But instead, Franz said to him, well, there's nothing I can hide from you because she'll tell you everything that happened. He then pulled a ring off of his finger and said, give this to Allison. It belongs to her. Humple noticed the blood mm. on it, and the lab tested it, and it was indeed Allison's blood. So they robbed her of jewelry as well as everything else they did. They're wearing it around like a trophy. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's the these two are. There's not a hot enough place in hell. I really hope the story ends with them getting the death penalty. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah and i'm not a big advocate of the death penalty because there's so many innocent people that get murdered but when it's something like this where you know fry their asses inject them right put them in front of a shooting squad i don't care get them out of this (laughs) they don't deserve to breathe air oh no so even though both franz and tian said that they would plead guilty humple wanted to make sure he had an airtight case So Humple ensured all evidence, samples, and everything was processed, sent into the forensic labs for an analysis, and then he documented everything in a case docket, which he gave directly to the prosecutor. For months, Allison had to continue to go to the police station and have pubic hair removed, photographs of her injuries and recovery. Everything needed to be documented by the police. So this woman, again had to feel violated because she had to continue to go to the police station to have this documentation done. But she did it because she knew she had to keep moving on, keep moving forward. She had to continue to go for she knew it was going to help the case. So in South Africa, Mm -hmm. to identify a suspect in a lineup, get ready, you guys, this is just going to blow your minds. 
the victim would have to walk behind the suspects in a lineup and then place their hand on the shoulder of the suspect. What? Yeah. They would then have to stand there long enough to take a picture to prove whom they had selected. Can you believe that? That seems unnecessary. Yeah. How are you supposed to identify with the back of their head? Well, they walk in front of them first. Oh, I and see. then walk behind and then put their hand on their shoulder to identify yeah, them. Yeah. So I don't like that. You're like re-traumatizing them by making them touch their attacker. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes. So my he- no sense. my hero, Officer Humple, did not want to put Allison through this. So he decided to try a new thing using a one-way glass. So they didn't have that technology or didn't use that process in South Africa at this time. So Allison was the first person to use this process, which is now the norm in South Africa. Thank God. Because traumatizing victims like that, again, is uncalled for. <laughs> but I bet she would have done it. Oh, I'm sure she, she would have. She would have done it without a second Oh, thought. for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So Humpel had to escort these pieces of shit to court every day. He said that he wouldn't handcuff them. He told them, make my day and run. I want you to run. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this guy. (laughs) He also said, I would have, without even batting an eyelid, I would have shot them. He is truly my hero. Good for him, dude. So in a lot of cases, it's the cops that don't do what was supposed to be done or something. They Somebody dropped the ball or whatever. But this guy made mm-hmm. sure that everything, all the you know T's were crossed, the, the I's were dotted. He made sure everything was done. And again, and he wanted them to run. I want them to run. I wish they would have ran. But... Uh, yeah. yeah. I think Take death is too... Death is too good for these scumbags. Mm-hmm. Way too good. They need to suffer. And what better place to suffer than on Earth? Yes. So Judge Chris... And I mean suffer. Suffer. I want them to suffer bad. Judge Chris Jansen was so appalled by Franz and Tians that he ensured the following information would be entered into their permanent records... He wrote a statement in their permanent records so it would follow them everywhere, and everyone that sees the paper would see his message. The judge regarded them as a threat to society and never wanted the Ripper Rapers to be freed from prison. The judge said that he had never done this before and has not done it since that. South Africa no longer has the death penalty at this point because it was considered unconstitutional. But the judge said if it had been an option, he would have seriously considered it for them. The Ripper Rapist received life in prison. The court gave Franz the sentence of three life terms with no parole. And Tians received one life term and 25 years with no parole in prison. After the court case, Allison struggled emotionally and physically. She moved back in with her mother. She still had wounds that needed to be cleaned and dressed, and she had to bathe with sponge baths. Her mother helped her with all of that. After her injuries healed, she took an actual bath, and it was the first time that she looked in the mirror at all of her wounds. 
After that, she slipped into a depression. She didn't care if she went to work. She didn't care if she called in sick. She didn't care if she ate. She didn't care if she bathed. She just kept blaming them for how she felt. Then one day, she had a moment of remembering, remembering when she chose to live and not to die. She decided to live that day, and she had to choose to live again. And by blaming Franz and Tians, she was giving them the power that she had to regain control. So finally, in the depths of her depression, she received an invitation from the Rotary Club inviting her to come and share her experiences with them. Giving speeches was her biggest fear in school, let alone standing up in front of people trying to live up to their expectations of being a heroine. Allison stated in the documentary, but of course, me being me, flipping hell, I pulled up my bootstraps and I went. This woman, I love her. <laughs> oh my God, she's so great. She is. But of course, after that, she felt better and continued to give public speeches about her experiences. She had appearances worldwide, and she loved every minute of it. Allison is now facing a new horror in her life. In 2015, she read in the newspaper that her attackers may be eligible for parole due to a new law. Allison admitted that she was petrified that her attackers, Franz and Tians, may be released despite the note the judge put in their file, so she started a petition to try to stop them from being paroled. I mean, what kind of laws do you have in South Africa that you would feel that it is okay for these men to be paroled? This is so disgusting. This poor woman is just being so strong and doing her diligence to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone, and then she gets the news. Once she finally thinks everything's sorted, she gets the news that they're about to be released. That's so sick. It, it is. It definitely is. And Allison also received an email from a mother in America asking Allison for help. Her daughter was Franz's fiance. And unfortunately, her daughter has a relationship with him while he's in prison. And in this email, she asks Allison to help her get him released so they can have a relationship outside of prison. Can you believe the audacity that's, of this woman? That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> no words. She needs to be committed or put in prison herself. Or slapped. Something. <laughs> Give her my resting bitch face. Take a bear after. Yes, definitely. So while in prison, Franz had full access to Facebook and had an entire social life in warped sex rooms. Allison informed the authorities via email of him having this access and asked them to please not disclose that it was her that told them. However, she later discovered that her email was printed and given to him directly. Wow. Right? Franz, yeah, she just can't catch a break anywhere. So Franz requested an interview with the filmmaker of the documentary when he discovered they were making it. In return, his demands were as follows. One, a letter of forgiveness from Allison signed. Two, he wanted profit shares from Allison's book sales and motivational speaking backdated as Franz believes that what he did to Allison is the only reason for her 
quote-unquote success story. The filmmakers denied his request. <laughs> I'm like, who? Thankfully. Who does this guy think he is? The only reason that He's she, really warped. Oh, very warped. Uh, and that just speaks about our prison system because this guy is obviously not reformed in any way and has learned nothing from his time there. No. Absolutely. So Allison's miracles did not stop. She married Teeny Botha in February 1997. And you guys, she miraculously had two boys naturally without issue. Wow. Wow. Great. Yes. Congratulations to her. That's yes. amazing. And remember Tian, the man that held her hand and helped her while they were waiting for the paramedics? Mm-hmm. He decided to take a different path after the experience that day. He went to medical school and he became a doctor and also assisted in delivering her second child. No Wonderful. Way. So this is where my story originally ended. But you guys, there's another twist. Oh, no. I wrote this story probably about six months ago. And I went out to see if there was any updates. After serving 28 years... Both were granted parole in July of 2023 and placed under supervision. They were released from prison. No! And there, You're kidding. There is no comment from Allison on it. They released those assholes. Oh, she's probably living under a rock right now. So I hope she's safe somewhere. And oh my God. I hope that they're under... You know, supervision. What kind of supervision? What? Yeah, I mean, that's disgusting that these guys even have a taste of freedom, supervision no, or not. Exactly. They they should not. For Allison. And I just hope that they get hit by a bus or something. Or lightning. Get struck by lightning every day of their life. That would be good. <laughs> I, yeah. A little link I to uh, Amanda's story. <laughs> so, I'd be totally down with that. Yes. Hair and eyebrows on fire. Yes. <laughs> Every time it grows back, it goes on fire again. That's right. So I saved this story for Amanda because I know she goes on the darker side. And I knew she'd be able to handle this. My apologies to Jeremy and David for going so deep <laughs> and so dark. But it was, like I said, it was a true survival she is an amazing woman, and she did good yeah. and is doing good with her life. She did have the blessing of having two children, which amazing when I, I heard that. She's an inspiration. She for is sure. a true inspiration. Yeah. Those boys of hers are going to grow up to be the strongest and most stable men anyone's ever known. That is very true. And I just, I had to share this story because it's one that... Not a lot of people hear of it's from a different country. And we, like I said, we don't get the other side a lot of times. And what she did to survive was miraculous. Nothing short of a miracle. Right. Definitely. And not hitting any arteries, no major organs. The other thing that they covered in the documentary as well is in the car when she was being choked, Remember she said she released her bowels? Because of that, she didn't have any infection. Because her bowel tract was empty. So when they disemboweled her, 
It was empty, oh. so there was no contamination. That's so Tiny favors, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and they, who knows if she hadn't, if they would have thrown her out of the car or not. Right. And if they hadn't thrown her clothes out of the car, she would have had nothing to wrap and hold herself together to get to the road. So there was little miracles that happened that night. So yeah. that helped aid in her survival. But these two, I'm going to put out a... Google alerts, and I want to know that they had a horrible death. I'm sorry. I don't wish that normally, but these two do not deserve to breathe the air that she's breathing. It's just so beyond sick, and they're going to, I mean, there's no way that they're reformed, so they're going to eventually at some point do without supervision, and they're going to be able to inflict pain on some other poor person, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, it's, ugh, very. The system is messed up. It was a very roller coaster story, that's for sure. But well, that was a magnificent story, it. yes. And, and you told it beautifully. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Tracy. That was amazing. I hadn't heard of that one before. I was glad I was able to make it through without crying because it's that heart-wrenching. It's a yeah, it's a, it was a rough one, man. I was, like, holding it back here because that's, that's some tough stuff, I think. It is but very tough. But luckily, Amanda tells very strong, scary <laughs> she stories She does. And so I'm gaining an immunity to this. <laughs> I remember well, your closer first... and closer to emotionally dead. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy's sitting over there just speechless because he hates when I do these deep, dark. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to bring it up a little bit and bringing up one of my favorite uh, controversial topics that I have with Jeremy. And we're going to start it off as, do you guys think that a hot dog is a sandwich? <laughs> we're doing this again. Uh-huh. We're going to do this again. No. I... Hot dog's a hot dog. That's hot a dog's sandwich. a hot dog. Thank hot you. Dog, right? Okay. Thank you. Yeah. How about you, Amanda? Is a hot I'm dog sorry. a sandwich or just a hot dog? <laughs> so, <laughs> I have a feeling now that you are pro-sandwich, and I'm so sorry. But before this, I'd never heard of this question. But now I'm very passionate about there is no way it's a sandwich. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <It's> unanimous. <laughs> no, I believe it is a hot dog as well. But where I want to go right. with this is let's say you are out of bread, but you're hankering for a mm-hmm. sandwich and you have hot dog buns. Will you make a sandwich yeah. with those hot dog buns that you have in your cupboard? Nope. Oh, yeah, because it becomes a hoagie. Right? Nope. <laughs> if you have if there's it, no other bread yeah if there's no other what bread what else you gotta do right <laughs> how about if you, starve. <laughs> if you have a hamburger <laughs> if you have a hamburger and you have no buns would you eat it cut up on a hot dog bun or put like two slices of just regular bread and eat your hamburger that way nope <laughs> um. I guess I would like cut it in half so that I could put each little half into the hot dog and be even even hamburger in the bun. Cherry gets That's so <laughs> mad at me because I will improvise if we don't have one or the other. Or like if I know we don't have any hot dogs in the fridge and we have leftover hot dog buns, I'll put them in the toaster mm. and I'll make toast with it. And he looks at me <laughs> like I'm crazy. <laughs> That's just the wrong proportion of bread to <laughs> yeah. a sandwich. It's not right. It's not that's right. why, you know, a hot dog shape that fits the hot dog bun 
But if you put meat in there, I mean, I get it. It could be a hoagie. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that. But the the bread to meat ratio is wrong. Off. <laughs> it not is right. wrong and it's off. Yeah. But I grew up not <laughs> not being wasteful. If you have extra, you know, yeah. extra buns or hot dog, hamburger, whatever, utilize them for other things. He just looks at me. Like one time we had extra ha- um, hamburger <laughs> buns and I made them into um, garlic bread. Oh, I do that all the time. He looks at me funny when I do things like that. <laughs> oh, no. It's delicious. It all goes to the same place, Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a bit picky. <laughs> <laughs> So we always joke around about that. So I had to bring that in to see. I wanted other opinions if anybody else would do the things that I do that he looks at me like I'm insane. <laughs> no, I'm 100. percent I'm I'm on your team of don't let it go to waste. So if I have to, if, if I have a burger and I don't have a bun and I have a piece of lettuce, guess what? I now have a bun. I'm yeah. <laughs> any ingredients that I have. That is right. Use what you have. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on and doing this episode with us. And I know, like I said, it was dark and I apologize, but I figured it was the right mm-hmm. podcast for this, the for the crossover <laughs> for this story. <laughs> but why don't you guys uh, go ahead and uh, shout yourselves out again. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, so we're One Nothing Podcast. It's spelled W-O-N. I know that trips people up sometimes. We are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. You can email us at onenothingpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on all podcast platforms. We also have a Patreon right now. We're doing bonus weekly episodes and a bunch of other fun stuff. Um, and that is at One Nothing Podcast as well. And David, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, X. I know I'm missing one of them, uh, but it's down the rabbit hole. And I do have subscriptions on Instagram, so feel free to join, guys. I have extra content that goes only to subscribers. Uh, We have merch available at www.deeperdown.store. Also on Etsy, you can find us on Etsy at Deeper Down. It's it's etsy.com slash shop slash Deeper Down. Definitely go check them out, guys. They are amazing. They are awesome. Well, again, they want to know one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, again, thank you, guys. This has been a real fun evening, and definitely go check out. We'll have our crossover. Yeah, we listened to Amanda's story earlier, and now we they got to listen to ours. Excellent uh, banter and some fun uh, games that we played on with Amanda and David on their podcast. <laughs> some good giggles on that one. So definitely go yeah, check out our show. Yeah, nobody's getting vomited on. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I vomited on myself on that story, though. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me some new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love you. <laughs> You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thank guys. You. Have a great night. Wow, what an amazing episode, huh, Tracy? Those guys were awesome. They certainly were. 
I unfortunately didn't mean to bring everybody down, but of course I had to share that incredible story. Yeah, that was great. Horrifying. <laughs> well, her story needs to be told as well. It does, it does, but you could have invited somebody else as your co-host. <laughs> Sorry, you're stuck with me through and through. <laughs> All right, well, I guess... <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And fortunately, they won't always be depressing. We'll try to bring up the mood some. And other times we're going to have to bring it down. But we do have to share those important stories as well. But until next time, keep on creeping on. Goodbye. We love you. Love you. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Total Conundrum. Please make sure to check out our website and blog at TotalConundrum.com. For news, upcoming events, merch, bloopers, and additional hysteria, you never know what will pop up, so be sure to follow along. If you want to show your support for Total Conundrum and gain access to all of our bonus content, please visit our Patreon page. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The links are available in our show notes. If you have any questions, comments, recommendations, or stories to share, please email us at contact at totalconundrum.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the love. Keep on creeping on, mother cluckers.